You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome back to Prophet Pearls, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, tomorrow. This is Keith Johnson along with Nehemia Gordon, face to face, doing whatever it takes in the land of Israel, and I'm sick. <laughs> but I'm having a great time. Now. I'll tell you something. I feel terrible. But again, when we start discussing the word of God, it gets pretty exciting for me. We're actually going to be discussing something in 2 Kings 7.3, but I'm not going to play by the rules. Okay. I'm not going to play by the rules, folks. There's no way we're going to start in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 3. Why? You tell me why, Nehemiah? Because I have to talk about the few verses before. Yeah. How did they not talk about the context of what Elisha does? So I, I, I know officially, folks, that this, you know, and first of all, let me say to our Prophet Pearl partners, the Maccabees. Maccabees, if you're listening, thank you so much for sponsoring this. We are we are so thankful uh, for those like you that are they're hanging there with us. And for all of those that are listening and commenting on NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com, we're supposed to actually start at 7, verse 3. I won't allow it. Okay. Tradition says that it's 7-3. I'm going to break tradition. And I just want to read the first few verses of chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. And again, it sets the context. Elisha said, hear the word of Yehovah. This is what Yehovah says about this time tomorrow. A seah of flour will sell for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king, and this is why I like this. We talked mm-hmm. about the, the officer whose king leans on the arm. We talked about in the section just that we just did. Yeah. Here's this. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if Yahweh should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? And then Elisha says, sticks his chest out. You will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. Now we can start the section. Yeah. <laughs> So there were four men with leprosy at the well, end. The reason that's important to start there is because, yeah. because it's a prophecy, and the story we're about to read is a fulfillment. And of how the can you? How can we know that? I mean, that just—it's really strange, yeah. um, you know. And here I, I want to, you know, just reiterate, you know, th- these portions—they're based on uh, certain traditions, mm-hmm. and um, they, you know, they're, they're supposed to correspond to different things in the Torah. And obviously, the thing it corresponds to in the Torah here is um, we're in the portion of Mitzorah which is Leviticus 14.1 to 15.33, which is about leprosy. And here it's a story about the lepers at the gates of Samaria during the siege of Samaria by the, the Arameans, by the, the Syrians. Yeah. And um, Can and, I just stop yeah. you and say thanks for taking off that hat? Folks, we're in the basement of a place here in Nehemiah's Goddess. It's freezing outside, and he had on this hat. That I, there was no way I was going to make it through proper pros with that hat. What's wrong with my hat? hat? I love my hat. I wish I could take a picture of you with the hat. We will take a you picture took, of the hat. I and I want people to, anyway. So he took the hat off. Continue. Now you've got to take your hat off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. With the two baldies. Um, so anyway, uh, and that's appropriate because Alicia was a baldy too. That's right. So, um, and... Uh, yeah, so uh, now that we've spoken about the hat... No, you're talking about the tradition. Oh, so the tradition is to yeah. start it in verse 3. And, and, you know, one of the things I hear in, in, in these... You know, I'll listen to these debates between the rabbi and the Christian, mm-hmm. uh, the rabbi and the pastor, and they'll be debating, you know, the Jewish side and the Christian side. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I came to... I came to this conclusion years ago that truth is not found in these debates because everybody, their objective is, I want to prove my side. Right. 
And, um, and it's not about we're looking for truth together. It's I want to prove that, I, that I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And so there's many things that a person will not admit or not state because they're trying to prove themselves and not search for the truth. And right. what I want to do is you humble myself before the creator of the universe and come look for truth, even if I'm proven wrong, mm-hmm. um, especially if I'm proven wrong, because then I'll have the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things the rabbis will say, right, rightfully so from my perspective, is you Christians, you take these verses out of context. Mm-hmm. And then here we are doing this rabbinical tradition of the of the prophets, yeah. reading the prophets and trying to understand them in their history, language, and context. And the context of the prophecies ripped out. Exactly. Verses 1 to 2 is, is key. It's the it prophecy to, that's fulfilled yeah. in, in uh, verses 3 and on. So... Well, um, and, and so, I'm glad, so I'm glad you broke with tradition and yeah. read the prophecy that now is going to be fulfilled. Every once in a while, I'm going to do that, Nehemiah. But you know, one of the yeah. things that, uh, folks, we haven't, we didn't do this in the last show because we got all fired up and, and whatever. We didn't talk about uh, the ministries, and, and I know there are people who listen to this each time. But you no, know, fast forward. It, 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 <laughs> no, we have to. Yeah, no, I've got to have a ministry minute right now. Go ahead. Um, you know, we we are um, in a really significant time. Um, in in by the time that people are listening to this right now, Nehemiah. Uh, we will have either determined, it will have been, have been determined whether we're in the biblical year starting in, uh, with, I think the date was around March. March 21st. Yeah, and then, of, of course, by the time they're listening to this, we would have already celebrated Pesach and um, um, the Feast of Unleavened Breads. Yeah. yeah, so I, I guess I don't know how you want to you know, jump right into this and, and, and not talk a little bit about um, what time of year it is. I mean, I, I was really shocked when you said the date. For yet the last the last deal, and I'm trying to figure out what happened with the days. How did we get into wherever we are in April, and we missed we missed a section? Or no, no, we just did a lot of episodes. We just did a lot of episodes. <laughs> okay. So I think this are, is our 27th or 28th episode. Okay, so this people, is the 28th episode we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that's been really interesting is is to actually being in, in the land of Israel. I call it God's clock headquarters, where we get a chance yeah. to see. In both in heaven and earth, um, the connection and understanding of what time it is, and you will have by now we'll have already you know searched and and, and gone through the process of seeing whether the barley is aviv and mm-hmm. celebrating the beginning of the month, the new moon, and then by then by the time we're doing this, we would after actually be after uh, the feast of unleavened bread. Am yeah. I correct in that? Yeah, so, uh, that sounds right. By the way, just for, for invite people to go do some homework mm-hmm. and read the full context here, which begins actually in chapter two, uh, sorry, two Kings chapter six, verse twenty four through thirty three, mm-hmm. is setting up the siege of Samaria, and then uh, you know, then the prophecy of Elisha appears in chapter seven, verses one to two, mm-hmm. which is when the co- in the context of the siege has already begun, and it's it's really in a bad place. The mm-hmm. people are on the verge of starvation. In fact, some of them have have gone over the verge of starvation. They're eating their children. Right. That's how bad things are. Yeah. 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 Well, the reason I brought this up as far as the time is that there's an yeah. entire series that we have at uh, the BFAInternational.com. It's actually in the premium mm-hmm. content library. It's called Time Will Tell. And what I like about that series, it's really it's been played all over the world and, and been on international television. And now it's in our premium content library for people who really want to kind of understand how it is that we came to the place where we are um, understanding what time it is according to biblical reckoning of time versus, you know, the 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 the. the how can I say it? Uh, the many other uh, possibilities and ways that people keep time. But what I love about that series is actually letting people see with their own eyes the process. And one of the most favorite uh, episodes of the 10 was the actual uh, episode where we went and looked for the barley uh, and, and understanding how that works and knowing what time it is and, and being able to see with my own two eyes and people seeing with their own top two eyes and opening their Bible and understanding why this is. This isn't something that's been created by some group of people who say, hey, let's come up with a new way to determine what time it is. It's rather taking the text, 
understanding the text and then applying it. So I want to encourage people to do that and go to BFAinternational.com. And on the first front page, you actually can watch the first episode of every single series that's there. Well, you know, you can just watch that whole thing and, and, and discern for yourself. But that's just one of the um, things I wanted to lift up to people is that this is a time of year where um, understanding what time it is is important. And that's a series that really can help people do that. So go to BFAinternational.com front page and you get a chance to see uh, that information. Yeah, and um, you know my ministry is Makor Hebrew Foundation. You can uh, go and find out about my teachings at NehemiahsWall.com. That's NehemiahsWall.com. And don't forget to sign up for my free newsletter to get your regular updates. And, and I just want to give a shout out there to all the people who, uh, and I'm st- saying this by faith because we're pre-recording it. <laughs> but um, I'm recording this before the Aviv search. But I want to shout out for all the people who supported the Aviv search and made it possible and, and, mm-hmm. and gave donations and uh uh, support through prayer and, and through finances that mm-hmm. allowed us to be able to go out and look at the barley and examine it and, and do it in a, in a proper way. And, and, and um, you know, you, you started off reading in verse one, it talked about there's, there was this price, uh, you know, the prices here, mm-hmm. it was a shekel of, uh, of, of flour, which actually there in Hebrew, it's the wheat flour mm-hmm. and um, sorry, a, a se'ah of flour for a shekel and two se'ah of barley for, uh, mm-hmm. for a shekel. And, and what you see is the price of barley um, even in, in the when it was at its very cheapest, was fifty percent of the price of, of wheat. Wow! And that's because barley is was um, less valuable in ancient times, and that's because the barley was. Uh, it's a, actually a technical reason that it's difficult to remove the shell from the barley. Mm-hmm. Some um, you know, and so you're getting like a lot of um, kind of it's what you might coarse. call it. it's very coarse, right? Yeah. Um, the way they ate it in ancient times uh, to the point where to the point where some people actually say where it speaks about bread of affliction in scripture. That it's not just unleavened, but it actually it was made from barley. Wow! That that was implied in, in that phrase, bread of affliction, um, because it's it's less you know less edible, less 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 yummy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, yeah, so thank you for all you people who have you know stood with me on the wall and and, and helped me empower people with information by going out there and mm-hmm. and finding out what the barley is and and you know and and it's because of you you know mm-hmm. I'm able to do this because of you. And so I want to just say thank you. Awesome, awesome. Well, and that's why when I see the word barley, I'm like, we got to at least announce, you know, doing. We, we're so fast in doing this, yeah. and really, it, it really is. A, it isn't speed study, but it definitely is speed production. Um, you know, we had to do a lot of pre work in order to be able to do this, but we're really I don't trying know about to. You, but I, I spent you know quite a bit of time. Oh my uh, goodness! Preparing each section, looks, knowing that when we came here in Jerusalem, we'd have a short time to record it. And so everything that went into it had to be done beforehand. Absolutely. And let me say this, you know, that there are so many, there are so many people that are a part of what we're doing. Um, both the folks that do the editing, people that help us prepare, people that help us look through what's going on, you know, folks that are doing artwork. I mean, I just have to say this whole Profit Pro process with the partners, uh, the people that are behind the scenes, everything that's happening. I don't know how many people if we were to count it, but it really is an, an amazing and humbling experience to have so many people put their hands to the plow. So that we can uh, so that we can do this work. So thanks to everybody. Uh, and again, when I saw the word barley, I thought we had to at least address the time of, yeah. the time of year. <laughs> so now let's go to the section that's yeah. uh, out of context. Uh, now there were four men with leprosy <laughs> at the entrance of the gate. Now let me stop right quick and ask a simple question. Oftentimes people are going to have a note in the English Bible that's going to give a note about the word leprosy. And I just want to um, go ahead and have you do me a, a favor and check on the computer on this, Nehemiah. Mm. In, in, in like our example, I'm looking at the NIV here. And it says, now there were four men with leprosy. And it goes down to the letter C. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, the Hebrew word is used for various diseases affecting the skin, not necessarily leprosy, also in verse 8. Mm. So uh, when they say that, you know, the first thing you want to do is find out, well, what word are we talking about? 
Um, since leprosy happens to be the issue that we were dealing with in the mm-hmm. previous section, in this section, I would just ask you a question. Is the leprosy of the last section the word, the same word that we're using here for these men? In the Hebrew, it's the same word. And Absolutely. the word is, uh, the, the noun, the, the name of the disease is tsara'at. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone who has tsara'at is called a mitzora. Mm-hmm. And plural is mitzora'im. So mm-hmm. these are mitzora'im. They're people who have tsara'at. Awesome. Um, what is tsara'at? So when we say leprosy in English, we're referring to a very specific um, mm-hmm. disease, which uh, I forget what it is. Isn't it, is that Hansen's disease or something like yep. that? It's one of those things. Um, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is a great story. Uh, there's actually um, uh, a, a place in Jerusalem. I don't know if you've ever been there. Yep. Which Not w- far from here. Actually. Yeah, where, where <laughs> they had lepers who were yep. living there. Yep. And, uh, and I'm talking about in the 20th century. Yep. And it was a communicable disease and there was no cure. And so the government of Israel made a deal with them. They deprived them of their freedom, and these guys didn't have a choice. They said, we're going to give you a place to live for the rest of your life and a monthly uh, salary, but you have to agree never to leave this place. And Mm -hmm. and if you don't agree, it's too bad. We're going to lock the gates. And since then, what we call in the Western world leprosy has been healed, and those people still live in that place for free. And this is prime real estate in Israel. (laughs) And they still get their monthly check because they said they accepted the deal. Um, you know, but back then, whether leprosy is Hansen's disease or something else, it, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely is this word sarat. It was understood definitely as um, not just a physical ailment, but a spiritual ailment. Mm-hmm. Um, and where we can see that is where, and I think I'm sure we talk about this in the original prophet pearls, where we can see that, or the original Torah pearls, um, where, where we can see that is that, you know, um, uh, Moses sticks his hand into his into his cloak and he takes it out and it's white, full of leprosy. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, and then we hear about um, Naaman who has leprosy and he's yep. healed by dipping himself seven times in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Jordan River. And Miriam. Um, and Miriam had leprosy when she sinned. So we've got a bunch of references to leprosy. Um, what exactly is it? It's hard to believe it's just a, a physical disease because if that were the case, what would be the significance of all these you know, rituals of, of, of spiritual purification mm-hmm. that we read about in Leviticus? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I encourage people to make sure that they go to the original Torah pearls. Both sites have the connection there. We did that over at... Semiswall.com and BFA International. Yeah, we did that over... It took a, a full year. And I have to say again, uh, what's really nice about this is that you know, it's taking it's taking it's taking a huge effort to get these done. But once they're done and once they're edited and once they're up, people can actually use this on a regular basis. That they can go to the Torah pearls, they can go to Prophet pearls, and between the two, you have over three hours, probably about three hours of information mm-hmm. that people can go through and, and look through. And, yeah. and, and, and by the way, the fact that they're lepers is significant because that's why they're outside the gates. Mm-hmm. Lepers were ritually unclean and would not have been allowed inside of the city because right. they would have, um, you know, you know, we think in modern times, oh, they would have spread the disease. But the thinking back then was. This isn't exactly a physical disease. It's a spiritual disease. And, it, and when you're ritually unclean, then you're, you're going to be put out. You know, you don't, you're not going to come into contact with someone who's going to make you ritually unclean, especially in this leprosy case where it yeah. can spread. And it's interesting. You know, the first paragraph here, we don't like you said, we're trying not to go verse by verse. But just for the overall, the idea is that these guys are in a pretty hopeless, helpless situation where they're saying, look, we've got leprosy. We're outside the gate. There's famine on the inside. of the. No, no, there's no food. We're going to die. Let's just go ahead and take our chances and go over to the Arameans. And if we go to the Arameans and surrender, if they spare us, man, we're better off. They've at least got food. What do we got to lose? Yeah, but if they kill (laughs) us, then we die. It's over. And so at verse 5, it says, at dusk. Why at dusk? They got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. Here it says at dusk? That's what it says, at dusk. So the word in Hebrew is neshef, Mm -hmm. and neshef means early in the morning, Uh before sunrise, when it's Mm -hmm. still dark, but there's already a little bit of light. But why do you think they did it at dusk? Come on, you know the answer. Um, You tell me. 
I don't know they, the they, they can't do it out in daylight that they're going Why home not? to the Arameans. Oh, because they'll get shot by their own people. Yeah, they've got to go. they got to sneak over there. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> but it's early they, in the morning. Yeah, it's early in the morning. And when they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there for And this is, this is where the revival music comes in. For Yehovah had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So that they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk, early in the morning, and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. I, When I read that, I think, what, now why did they say the Hittites and the Egyptians that they went and hired them? We have examples where they went to different different right. you know, places and said, okay, can you help us fight here? Can you help us fight there? And sometimes... I have to just say, it's really been interesting to try to figure out geopolitically what's happening right. at, a, at a specific time. So, Well, and Aram, or, or today's Syria, Aram mm. Domestic, was sandwiched between the Hittite Empire and the Egyptian Empire. And so these are the, you know, these are the, big, the big guys on the block that they're afraid of. They're, yeah, not, exactly. they're not afraid, oh, the king of Judah is going to come and attack us. <laughs> Who cares about that? We'll beat yeah. them. Yeah. You know, oh, but the, you know, or the Ammonites are coming. No, they're not concerned with that. But they are concerned. They're terrified of Egypt and, and the Hittites. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting. Here's the question I ask myself when I read something like this. Mm-hmm. So the lepers go into the camp. How do they know this? Mm-hmm. How do they know that the why the um, why the Arameans, why the Syrians fled? And, and I think the answer is very clearly they don't know this. This is information the the um, the uh, um, the narrator is providing. Mm-hmm. In other words, the prophet who's recording this information for us and presenting it to us, he's telling us. Uh, the the lepers knew that the Arameans had fled, but they didn't know why. And here's why. Mm. And the reason why is because Jehovah, you know, performed this miracle. He caused the sound to to take place. You know, he caused them to hear the sound of chariots and, and horses, and um, and they said, "Wow, this must be some big army." Mm. Um, and look, this actually reminds me of the story of the Assyrians. Yep. Um, so that's in one Kings nineteen thirty five and Isaiah thirty seven thirty six. Go look those up, please, and, and read those stories. It's t- and it's that. And it's a story about the Assyrians um, being camped against um, against uh, Jerusalem, and um, and and they wake up in the morning, and, and you know everybody's gone, and there's uh, 185,000 who are dead or something like here. Let me read the 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 verse. Two Kings 19:35 says, and it came to pass that night, uh, an angel of Jehovah went out, and he smote the camp of Assyria, 185,000, mm-hmm. and they woke up early in the morning, and behold, they were all co- dead corpses. Um, and the same thing appears in Isaiah thirty-seven, thirty-six, and uh, now that's only part of the story mm-hmm. because earlier in the story, um, or uh, let's see, where is this? Yeah, earlier. Let's see, where is this? Two Kings nineteen thirty-five. Um, all right, so sorry. Earlier, yeah, earlier in the story in Two Kings nineteen nine, Rav Shakeh, who is the general, he hears a rumor that Tirhaka, the king of of Cush, is on his way to fight, and so he's under all this pressure to besiege Jerusalem. Um, And during the siege, he finally ends up with the angel smiting the camp. But it was a similar sort of thing that they heard this rumor that the enemy's coming. And so they've got to, you know, either flee or get things done really Mm -hmm. quickly. Um, What's interesting about that story, I absolutely, and I'm going to talk about this just really briefly because we are not going to read that in the prophet pearls, Mm -hmm. but the story in in 2 Kings 19 of Rav Shakeh and Sancheriv and and the siege of Jerusalem, it's really interesting because that story in a form appears in, in two other major sources. One is it's it's alluded to in the um, Assyrian documents, mm-hmm. and in the Assyrian documents, they talk about how they captured all these cities in uh, in Israel, in Judah, and it says, 
and Jerusalem was um, locked up like a bird in a cage, mm-hmm. um, meaning we actually didn't capture Jerusalem. We mm-hmm. just sieged it. Uh, he doesn't mention the defeat because no ancient king and even many modern kings wouldn't mention that. But they do mention that, you know, Jerusalem was, was besieged. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then it's mentioned actually by Herodotus, who is a, a Greek historian. He actually mentions that there's a plague that wipes out the Assyrians. Mm. So it's pre- and he gets the story a little bit distorted. He thinks it has to do with some, you know, uh, some pagan deity. Uh, from Egypt causing it, but um, it's pretty cool that here, you know, here we have the story. It appears in all, in, both in you know, it appears in Isaiah and Kings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it appears in Assyrian sources in a form, and in, in, and in a Greek source mm-hmm. in Herodotus. So it's pretty cool. You know, it's funny. I, I was reading when I read this immediately. It's like when I think about this. Okay, and I, I'm glad you brought up the issue of the narrator, the person that's writing right. writing this. But one one of the things that really came to mind right away is the story in Second Second Samuel chapter five. Yeah. In five twenty three, David inquired of Yahweh. He said, "You shall not go directly up. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you shall act promptly. For then Yahweh will give out before you and strike the army of the Philistines." And it says, you know, goes and there's a there's a parallel with that also in First uh, Chronicles 14. Mm-hmm. But what's so cool about it is, is that the the sound, th- th- this idea of him using the sound, excuse me, using the sound of the army, and like in this situation, they heard the sound of this great army, and so they said to one another, "Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us." And so they hear it; they don't see it, but they hear it, and right. as a result, they respond. And so, we have another story in the stories of Elisha where they actually see the army. Exactly. Um, it's something we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's the, you know, the army of Yehovah. The, yeah. Yeah. And that also reminds me, of course, of the, the you know, where um, Joshua is outside of Jericho and he mm-hmm. sees the, the South Sava Yehovah, the officer of the army of mm-hmm. Yehovah. Yep. You know, basically a general of the angels. Yep. Um, yeah. This is pretty so cool. These, these armies of angels is something that the Tanakh doesn't really go into great detail about, but mm-hmm. they exist. Yeah. And they're there. Yeah. So it says they got up and they fled at the dusk and abandoned their tents. The men, and this is a story that's, I, I don't want to say it's kind of funny, but I mean, the story is that these men who had the leprosy reach the edge of the camp, enter in one of the tents. They go to one of the tents. Yeah. They eat and they drink. They carry away silver, gold, and clothes and went off and they hid them. <laughs> so it's like I see this. <laughs> you know, it's like a little, uh, little uh, what are those little things called that uh, they take the stuff and they go and dig it up and put it in the dirt and hide it. So oh, uh, Like squirrels? Like little squirrels or whatever. Or hiding the acorns. By the way, you know what? I got to tell you something really interesting. Yeah. I'm in, uh, I'm in, I asked Andre about this. I'm presently in Shanghai and um, I have to say it again. Doors, amazing doors are opening um, for the word of God. But... One of the things that I have a really hard time with there is I never see any animals. No, 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 hold on, hold on. There's 26 million people there. I never see a squirrel. I never see a cat. I barely see birds. What's that about? They eat them all. It's not a joke. So anyway, they go in, they go in and they go into the tent. They get this stuff. They take it like a little squirrel and they hide it. And then it says they came back again and they went into another tent and took some things from it. And then they go and they hide it again. And then I don't know if it's uh, them together as a group. It says they said this to one another. This is not right. This is a day of good news. And what word is that? This is a day, this is a day of good news. Right. And, and, and for those who don't know, the, the English or sorry, the Hebrew word for uh, gospels is Bissorot. Yes. The like the, one of them is called the Bissorah, the Bissorah of Matthew. Mm. It's good news. It's it's a day of good tidings, of a good announcement. Yes, that's that's amazing. Saying. And like, look at them. I mean, what's the great news? The good news is. So these were evangelists, is what we're they were, to say. They, they were about to take. How 
Well, to evangelize, by the way, means to announce good news. So the word evangelion means good news in Greek. Absolutely. So so these guys were about to evangelize the good news of the defeat of the Assyrians. Exactly. And we're keeping it to ourselves. You can't keep the good news to yourself. You can't keep the good news to yourself. You've got to share the good news, Nehemiah. And so they're sharing the good news. They go and they share it. And if we wait until daylight... Punishment will overtake us. They realize, you know, this, this is, there's a social responsibility um, right. that it, we not only enjoy it for ourselves, but now there's more, there's more here for us than, for, uh, than, than, than just for this. These people are suffering back there. We've got to go bring this good news. So tell me, Keith, is this a picture of the church or the church, a band of this lepers who have discovered the, 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 the that there's the, the food of God and they've got to share it with the world? Is that, is that what you're no, you, I don't know any, anything about All I know is that there's a few that have all the money and they've got to share it with everybody else. And so this is an example of what's got to happen. You know, you can't just have a few, the one percenters. They've got to share the good one percent. Back to the Keynesian agenda. <laughs> all right. We, you folks, in, in the midst of profit pearls, we get into these... Um, would you call the creative tension or is it discussions? Uh, no, it's absolutely creative tension. It's creative you know, look, tension. I, I believe in the whole concept of the road to serfdom. And, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm concerned that, you know, I don't I don't want to be a slave of the government. And yeah. you think the government should come and redistribute? Wealth? I don't think that. I mean, I don't that. And I think the situation here was a little different because there's more wealth than they can possibly consume. They can't consume. And in the it. meantime, there's people who are starving to death. Mm-hmm. And um, and actually, this has kind of just fallen to them from nowhere. They didn't they didn't earn this. They didn't work at it. Yeah. Um, and they're saying, wait a minute, we've got to go tell. There's people starving to death right now. now. Exactly. We, and we have more food than we need. We've even squirreled away food for the future. We've exactly. got to share this with people. And I think what. I really wanted to say about it that I thought was interesting is that they knew that there was something. Look at what they say. It says, if we wait until daylight, if we don't tell about yeah. this good news, punishment's going to overtake us. It actually says in Hebrew, iniquity will mm-hmm. overtake us. Yeah. Excellent. And so, they realized the longer they waited, the more people in the city would starve from the and, city. And I just think that's amazing. That's an amazing, that, yeah. that one little verse, that one but little verse. But I agree phrase. with you that this is social responsibility. And what I love about it is that these are the people who are deciding, hey, wait a minute, we've got to do something to help other people. It's not that the government said, oh, whoa, 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 lepers, you're not allowed to have that. I'm going to take that from you and give it to somebody else. Mm. These are the people deciding, even a leper who'd been rejected by society, who is left to fend for himself, has the the human uh, nature, uh, you know, innate sense that I've got to help other people. I don't need the government to tell me to do that. I know to do that. And you know, it's interesting, too, last week we were talking about this slave girl, you know, who who, yeah. who who basically went beyond her place of comfort and shared, you know, mm-hmm. the good news that there's a prophet in the land in a bad situation, but thinking yeah. about others. Yeah. Here, these people are in a bad situation. Oh, they man. were the outcasts. Now they're going to go and be the ones that bring that bring this uh, bring this great news. Oh, man. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, "We went into the Aramean camp, and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone. Only tethered horses and donkeys and the tents just left that they were there." The gatekeeper shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. I think it's funny that they didn't say, we went into the Aramean camp and not a man was there, not a sound of anyone, and there's gold and there's food and there's clothes. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't go too far. Look, I mean, they just basically said, listen, just want to let you guys know to get it off our conscience. There's nobody there. (laughs) I just think that's kind of funny. Yeah. So anyway, but then it says, um, they shouted, then the gatekeeper shouted the news. What's the word there? They shouted the news. Um, this is what it says in which, the NASB in doing? verse 11. Yeah. In I don't ver- see anything about shouting the news. You don't see anything about <laughs> shouting the news? No. So so I, so it so says, so. and the gatekeepers called or announced, 
um, and they vayagidu beta melech pnima, and they told it to the house of the king uh, inwards. So, so I tried inside the palace. So I tried to slip something by a couple of the two witnesses. I got two yeah. witnesses that keep me accountable. So I tell these two witnesses, I said, "Do you know where the word news comes from? Do you know where the word news comes from?" In English, yeah, because it's something new. No, it's the word news represents where does it come north, from? east, west, and south. That's what the word news means. In other words, when they came up with the word news, it means shouting it to the north, the east, the west, and the south. And I ran with this. And, you know, the two witnesses, they, they, don't, they don't go for this stuff. They, they like to check stuff. And they checked it and come to find out that I was just making up a bunch of hogwash. You know where I heard that from? Sounds like Someone in China told me about oh, that. Really? And I believed it. I mean, I was about to do a whole teaching. You're a friar. I'm a friar. <laughs> Always check your sources. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Anyways, so, so they what, shout. They shout. They announce. But what, I, but what I do like is the word here, vaikra, mm-hmm. which means to call, to announce, but also means to proclaim. Mm-hmm. And where I, what I think when I hear this word, and, and where, where you're getting shouting good news, yes, is we have in Leviticus 23, we hear about the appointed times, mm-hmm. and the word is mikra kodesh, which yes. has been translated holy convocation, mm-hmm. but really what it means is holy proclamation. Mm-hmm. And how do we know that? It says ukratem, and you will proclaim them as. Holy proclamations. So the, one of the aspects of the feasts of the appointed times in Leviticus 23 is not just to observe them mm. and, to, uh, and to keep them, but to proclaim them. Mm. So here they're proclaiming. The, um, the gatekeepers are proclaiming. That's, that's a more literal translation. So what, here's, here, now this is just a little simple thing that when I slow down to read it, yeah. it just makes me ask another question. In verse 12, it says, the king got up. And in my, my English translation says, the king got up in the night. Okay. And said to his officers, now, go back a couple a couple verses earlier. They said, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to us. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. And this is still happening in the darkness or in the whatever we, we, we said earlier. Well, before. no, I, I don't think so. I you think, think it's the I, next day. You, I, I think they spent all day pillaging the camp. And they're, and then they and they're, laying, their, they're laying their stuffed, you know, stuff to their, in their faces. And they're realizing, oh boy, we better not wait until so it was sunrise. twenty-four hours, or it was probably about you know twelve or sixteen hours later. Wow, hours later. Okay. Like so in the nighttime, after they they've got their two places with their gold and their silver and everything's hidden away, yeah. the king gets up in the night and says to his officers, "I will tell you what the Arameans have done to us. They know we are starving, so they've left the camp. It's a ruse. It's a trick. And 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 they've hidden in the country. They're thinking they will surely come out, and then we will take them alive and get into the city." One of the officers answered, have some men take five of the horses that are left in the city. There's still horses left in the city. Yeah. You know, people are starving. Yeah. Five of the horses left in the city. Their plight will be like that of all the Israelites left here. Yes, they will only be like all the Israelites who are doomed. So let us send them to find out what happened. So they selected. Can I continue? I'm going to tell the story. They selected two chariots with their horses and the king sent them after the Aramean army. He commanded the drivers, go and find out what happened. They followed them as far as the Jordan, and they found the whole road strewn with the clothing and equipment the Arameans had thrown away in their headlong flight. So the messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So a sea of flour sold for a shekel, and two seas of barley sold for a shekel, as Yehovah had said. Now here's my point. Mm -hmm. If we don't read the first two verses, this verse means nothing. Hmm. If we don't... In other words... the prophecies fulfilled were where Elisha said, this is what's going to happen. If we don't read that and we just come to this, we're like, we just move on. There's supposed to be excitement right now. This is what the word of Yehovah was, that this was going to actually affect the economy. Can, can, I, can I ask us to jump back to the previous? I, I know I assigned this as homework to people. You signed it as homework. We've got to go back to 2 Kings chapter 6. Yep. 
um, and read the first two verses of this story, which is verses 24 and 25. Can, can you? This can is you so it? illegal. I mean, we're no, we're I mean, completely out of the section, but okay. we've got to. Okay, we've got to. So, I mean, talk about losing the context. If we don't have these two verses, we're missing a major part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's verses. Let's see, is it 24 to 25? Um, yeah. So let me read you from the JPS. It says here, Sometime later, King, uh, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and marched upon Samaria and besieged it. This, besieged this, it. this is the beginning of the story. Right. Verse 25, There was a great famine in Samaria. Why is there a famine? Because they can't bring food into the city. You know, There's no commerce. Mm-hmm. There was a great famine in Samaria, and the siege continued until a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cob of dove's dung for five shekels. What do you mean? It says seed pods. It says what now? It says seed pods and a quarter pods. of a cab of seed pods. I wonder okay. about this. Uh, no, it's it's dove poop. Um, so anyway, so that's a different discussion. It's not, but here's an interesting. This is absolutely fascinating. We have an early example here of an awareness of the concept of supply and demand. Yes, which is a central concept in in, in Western economies. And the idea was because the siege is so bad, people are going to pay eighty shekels for a donkey's head. A donkey's head isn't kosher. It's not even really eating anything to eat. I mean, a donkey's head, like, not that I've tried, but nobody wants no, to eat a donkey's head. Nobody eats a donkey's not even in, not even in, uh, not even in China. I don't think they, you know. And here it's 80 shekels of silver and, uh, and uh, you know, and a quarter of a cob of something from doves, whatever that is, is five shekels. Like, these are, you know, astronomical prices. Why? Because supply and demand. Um, you can't eat silver, but you can eat, you know, eat these things. They may not taste mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And here, the prof- then we understand the significance of the prophecy mm-hmm. in uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, you know, which is really only a few, few verses later. He's saying you, your prices are, are you know, so bad. He's saying, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be, um, you know, the, the prices are going to completely switch to the yeah. point where you're going to get an entire se'ah of, of fine flour for a shekel and two se'ah of barley flour for a shekel in the gates of Samaria. And the, and the guy hears this and he says, you're nuts. Um, mm. People are buying a donkey's head for 80 shekel. You're telling me we're going to get a whole cob for one shekel? Exactly. You know, our whole uh, sa'ah, that, that, that's impossible. He doesn't believe it. And the point is, if Yehovah says it, you better believe it. Mm. Um, but I think this is fascinating, the whole economic side of it, this idea of supply and demand that, that you know, supply and demand actually having a function in prophecy. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know it or not, but I was actually the one that told uh, the folks that oil was going to be at 50 Fifty fifty dollars uh, uh, a barrel, below fifty dollars. Is that barrel. what it is? I, I don't even know. What do you mean? You don't know about the whole thing with no. oil? What is it? What, how much is it? Oil was over a hundred. In oil now is, they're saying oil is going to be as. I mean, you don't know about what's going on with tell oil. Me, tell me what's going on with oil. <laughs> Oil's going. Through, it's a crash. Oil's down so oh, the low. Price is going yeah, down. Yeah, in fact, in fact, uh, Netanyahu made, made made mention to it uh, because of oil being where it is in the economy and how that affects Tehran. But really, the point is, I, I really am glad you brought that up because there's there is this idea that there's that. I mean, I just think it's amazing that God would have his hands, if I can say this, that the prophecy would affect the economy like that. Yeah. That literally, that that was the prophecy. It was an economic. I mean, it's, it's an like, economic prophecy. It's an economic That's prophecy. It's cool. like a person standing there saying, oh, the Dow is going to be at 12,000 <laughs> such and such, and it's going to, you know, I mean, I, of course, I never said that. But but right. the point is, is that you see that kind of thing. And what's happening presently, if it's still happening at the time of the recording here, is it's been a major economic shift. The amount of money that's been, quote unquote, lost in the value of oil. Uh, they said that one of the reasons that the king of uh, Saudi Arabia died, <laughs> he said it was because he was heart sick. No, no I mean, billions of dollars. Literally, uh, the, the amount of money. Yeah, I, I didn't that know anything about that. Wow. How can you not know anything? About yeah, I don't listen to the news. Sir. OK, <laughs> <laughs> it's all lies anyway. Let, let, let's let's um, move on because this. Well, no, I, 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 
Uh, yeah. Okay. No, I, I just think it's amazing here. So, so let's just state the obvious, and, and, and I'm sorry for those who it's just so obvious too. Um, but why, why is there, uh, why is there this devaluation mm-hmm. so much of? Uh, you could say it's a devaluation of the shekel, mm-hmm. meaning, um, or is it the other way around? No, it's it's. Um, yeah, I'm not an economics person. Yep. But basically, the you know uh, the supply and demand, right? The supply. The supply so the supply has gone up, and why has it gone up? Because the Arameans abandoned all their stuff. Yeah. So anybody who went out could go get as much as much flour as he wanted. Well, who's going to buy it if you can get it for free? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there are people. And who this can buy also it might be also, they, you know, this also might be obvious, Nehemiah. But yeah. it's funny when I read the story and it says that they went into the tents and they got mm-hmm. gold and they got silver and they got clothes. Right. You got to think to yourself, well, did, did was that. Obviously, that wasn't how it started. They obviously are on a campaign. They've got. They've already. They've already begun to accumulate these armies. that was already have accumulated gold and silver from other places. They're doing their next thing. Right. And instead, you know, like they go in and and, and what they'd gotten from somewhere else. Now they actually left. I mean, that's right. that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, but now I want to get to this. If if I can get to this, because yeah. it says here, um, he he tells you know Elijah tells him. I'm glad we went back to that section. Tells him this is going to happen. They go and they find out. They select the two chariots. Let me just go to the whole thing. Verse 16, it says in verse 16, then the people went out and they thrown around their headlines. The messengers returned and reported to the king. Then the people said enough is enough. The people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. So a sea of flour sold for a shekel again. Two seas of barley had sold for a shekel as Yehovah had said. Now here comes this, this, this part. Verse 17. Now the king had put the officer on whose arm he leaned in charge of the gate. <laughs> so he tells his officer now listen now okay you're in charge of the gate now I mean, maybe this is just me okay yeah. maybe this is just me but what kind of job is that to give your guy they put him in charge of the gate and what happens <laughs> now and people don't understand this I want to talk about yesterday's today and t- tomorrow you probably don't know this because of the news but it says here that 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 the people trampled him in the gateway and he died just as the man of God Elisha had foretold when the king said to the king about this time tomorrow, a sea of flour will sell for a shekel. Basically, Elisha said, look, you're never going to see it. You're actually going to die. Well, you're going to see it, but you won't benefit you from won't it. You won't benefit from it. Right. Now, you know what? This Just a couple weeks ago, just about a, about a month and a half ago, Nehemiah, this actually happened in China. Really? In China on the new year. Uh, which was the was which was the 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 Chinese new year, year. The, not the Chinese New oh, Year, the, the actual year. the Gregorian New Year. Yeah. Um, what happened was they went into the Shanghai. There's 26 million people in Shanghai, but they went there um, for the New Year celebration before the Chinese New Year, and the reported number uh-huh. was 35 people. But that they were say that, that were trampled to death. Wow. That literally because of the movement of people. People just they were they were crushed, and this was like a huge, huge story. In fact, the people that were in charge of the quote unquote celebration were um, were, were punished by the Chinese government um, because these people were there and they didn't have crowd control. Mm-hmm. So here the king says to his guy, "You're in charge of crowd control," <laughs> and the crowd trampled him, and he died. I mean, it's just I don't know. That's that just uh, it's just it's amazing to me. But that actually happened. In uh, in real time, but just from from human movement, yeah. well, and, people and, and actually died. And the modern example I think of is, you know, I don't know about the Chinese example, but the modern example I think of is you have like these soccer games, yeah, like in Europe this happens, and in mm-hmm. England where like they'll get pushed against the you know the fence and crushed. Yeah, and, but I'm you know, telling you, this just happened. You don't watch the news, and I mean, this yeah, was no international idea. news. I'm not sure they know about this no, outside but, of China. But, yeah, but let me tell you what's funny. Not what not what's funny. So now for the New Year's celebration, yeah. they actually canceled the public event. They wouldn't have public fireworks. And this is a really big deal That's for a very big one deal reason, one reason only, 
because of what happened in Shanghai. They they, they shut down the ability because the crowds, there's so many people that the movement you can't control. And I was, you know, I, w- I was not feeling well. I was going to go down there with my camera. And, you know. <laughs> oh, boy. I wasn't there. Anyway, yeah. but let's uh, let's that, that actually took place. Yeah. So. Um, I'm sorry. Verse uh, that was that was a segue. That was verse 19. And was that 19? Yeah, finished out with verse. Oh no, it was verse uh, 17, 18, something like that. Okay, so I want to read 18. Well, 18 and 19 kind of just repeat what we read at the beginning. Okay, which is maybe why they decided to drop it because they're like, we don't need to read this twice. But okay, but let me just right. so I read 19. Sure, go ahead. All right. So the officer had said to the man of God, "Look, even if the Lord should open the fl-. and this is an example of yeah. rereading, like you say." It happened, it then happens, and then now we're back to him talking again? Yeah. He's dead. We're reminding us what <laughs> happened. Yeah. You know, the officer had said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? The man of God had replied, you will see it with your own eyes, but you will not eat any of it. And this is exactly what happened to him, for the people trampled him in the gateway, and he died. Yeah. Well, wow. I love two things about this prophecy and its fulfillment. First of all, what I love is that, you know, you... you, you um, so, so the this officer, this guy who he can't imagine how God's prophecy could be fulfilled. Mm. He's hearing this prophecy and he's so saying, can't, can't saying, well, if we could have all the rain in the world, we're still going to keep. You know, there's not going to be. You know, yeah, the kind of man's not going to change like. No, well, how could that ever? Ha- and he can't imagine it, so he rejects God's word because he can't imagine mm. how it would be fulfilled. And, and I think that to me that's so important because we'll read these prophecies in Daniel and, and, and Isaiah and these end times prophecies, and people will start coming up with all these allegorical, symbolic explanations. Um, and they'll say, well, it can't literally mean Persia because Persia is some second-rate country now. It's mm-hmm. got to be the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. I remember back in the 80s there were discussions like that. And now we've got, uh, due to the uh, incompetence of the American president, we have Iran purged to be a superpower again. That's Persia. Mm-hmm. So, um, But what I, I actually love how this prophecy was fulfilled in such a literal, yet it's an unexpected way. You know, you've got so many discussions of prophecy that look for an abstract or symbolic fulfillments. And these tend to be like so flexible. There's no way to verify whether the prophet's speaking truth or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one, one of those you know those prophecies that like it's like a moving target. Oh, that wasn't fulfilled. Now let's change it to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, it's almost like there's this hole that's uh, you know shaped to fit the prophet's peg. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a prophecy, and so they'll you know set up some situation where. It, you know, it's it's so so flimsy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the prophecy will fit their interpretation. Um, you know, and the Torah gives us a standard to mm-hmm. test prophecy. And mm-hmm. you know, and Jeremiah fleshes out some of the details. We've talked about that. I think it's mm-hmm. like it's um, oh, it's Jeremiah twenty eight seven to nine and Deuteronomy eighteen twenty one to twenty two. Um, it's very simple. A good prophecy must come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bad prophecy can have a reprieve if the people repent. But if there's a prophecy of something good happening, it has to come true. So Elisha saying that there's going to be this price uh, situation in the gates of Samaria tomorrow, that had to come true or Elisha would have been a false prophet. And you can't come along and saying, um, you know, oh, no, it didn't mean that. When he, when he spoke about a flower, it really meant something else. Well, just a second. So wait a minute. I just realized something. What's that? You actually said that there was a prophecy from Mar- – not that you said, but it yeah. was written on March 17th or something right, like right, that. Right, right, right. Oh, so now this is, this is – we're, we're like – now, of this, course, we're this, recording this in advance. Right, right. So if that prophecy comes to pass – People aren't even going right. to. Well, this is the prophecy of of, of these uh, rabbinic kabbalists of Rav Kaduri, mm-hmm. who said apparently that uh, a Lake Michigan would would sweep away Chicago with a tsunami, and there'd be you know lots of um, mm-hmm. you know what do you call that uh, so earthquakes. If, if that hasn't so if people actually hear this in April, then um, that means these kabbalists are false prophets. Oh. If they don't hear it because the world has you know begun the end times, then 
I guess we were now, wrong. You know what's really amazing <laughs> about this is we're actually recording this in advance, so people will still have the ability, if there's still technology, mm-hmm. to listen to this. And who knows? We might be. Uh, who knows where we'll be? We don't know. I mean, if this if this is just true, that these people you'll say, be up in heaven, I'll be left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and here's and here's what I say. You know what? Rav Kaduri could be telling the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could be right. But, I, I don't say Yehovah can't do that. I don't say, even with the blood moons, I don't say Yehovah can't do that. Right. I just say, let's see if it happens. Mm-hmm. There's a prophecy of good happening. Let me be clear. Uh, um, Let me be clear. If, the blood if, moons, they're going to come and go. Yeah. They're going to come and go. Yeah. And then they're going to have to look for the next thing. Okay? Because that's what people do. They, they don't focus on this. And, and the, I mean, look, we're going to have an argument about this. But I love the fact that you brought that example. Mm-hmm. How do you test it? Right. How do you test it? You you actually can see it with your own eyes and say, did it happen or not? And what I don't understand about people is how these people can rise up out of the blue and say, on October 21st, such and such and such is going to happen. And it doesn't happen. And do you know that the next year that guy will say it again and people will follow him again? This happens over and over and over again. What is it about people's nature that they're so, they're sheeple following behind it? Just read it. If it doesn't happen, then don't follow that person anymore. How do people... How, what he what is really the, meant when he said us oh, he didn't mean in it. the gate of oh, Samaria. Oh, okay. He meant in thousands of years from... He didn't mean tomorrow, literally. Oh. He meant a thousand years from now because a okay. day of the Lord is a thousand years. Okay. And that's what Alicia really meant. No, it's, he says tomorrow, it's got to be tomorrow. Exactly. It's got to be tomorrow. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. and I, I don't want to be... I want to be sensitive to the people that, that, uh, that do kind of find themselves getting caught up in this sort of thing. Um, because there might be that human nature that just says, you know, really, I really do want to see that something's going to change, you know, and well, I feel it. people it, hope. sense and yeah, whatever it is. And so I understand but is that. Is it a false hope? Yeah, I think in many cases it is. <laughs> I don't know why Yehovah would do this. Give me two weeks and tell me, okay, prepare for this and be sick for the entire time. He struck you with China-itis because you denied the four moons. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'll tell you what, it makes me depend on him. And I, I really, I really, uh. Again, I want to thank you, Nehemiah, because you're here, you're exposed to it. You know, it would be one thing if I'm across the world and you're across the world, but I'm sitting here talking in the microphone and all of a sudden, so hopefully you don't get sick. You better put your little hat back on. With that, let's pray. <laughs> He's making fun of this wonderful hat. Okay. Yehovah, Avinu Shabbat Shemayim, Yehovah, our Father in heaven, I thank you for giving this opportunity for us to come together in your holy city, Jerusalem, mm. here in the safe house on the side of the mountain the place where you put your name forever in this city, to speak about the prophets. Yes. And Yehovah, I ask you to put in our hearts that when we get the good news, that we don't keep it to ourselves. Mm. That like the lepers, we say, Yehovah, we must let people know what that good yes. news is. Yes. And let people know truth. And, 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 and I love the image, Yehovah, that you've given of these lepers, because they don't force anybody to do anything, Yehovah. They just say, here's what we found out. And then the people themselves, they debate and they, 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 they struggle with it and they say, well, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's a trap. And in the end, they decide to step out on faith and go out and see the blessing that you've granted to the people. And Jehovah, I ask that you put it in my heart to trust in you yes. so I can go out and accept that good news and see what blessing you've given for my people, mm-hmm. Jehovah. Jehovah, please give us the humility to come before you and, and, and read these prophecies and and accept them, even if they're beyond our imagination. Yes. When we read about uh, the, the dead rising rising, and, and coming back to life, and I know there's mm-hmm. people who hear that and they say, well, we've never seen that. How can that be? Can God really do that? Yehovah, please give us the humility to come before you and just accept what you've said mm-hmm. and not allegorize it or symboli- turn it into symbology, or, mm-hmm. but just accept what you've said and know that you are a true God, that you are the creator of the universe mm-hmm. and... 
you are the one who has given us the blessing, Yehovah. And Yehovah, bless this endeavor that we're doing and bless all those who are hearing this, these words and, and studying your scriptures. In your holy name, Yehovah. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com. Thank you.